Hi, everybody. Okay, so we are uh, day, you know, one million in, in quarantine here. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think that I speak to many of you right now. Uh, how many of you have gone through some spiritual warfare lately? Um, I definitely have. Um, even tears in writing this message. Uh, the one that I was writing, the Lord said, this isn't the message. We're going to do this message instead. And then things started flowing. But uh, there has been a big, huge pushback from the enemy right now for the children of God, um, you know, to, to kind of, um, yeah, to come against and try to, to silence us right now. And I just want you to be greatly encouraged. Um, the Lord, I think, has a word for all of us. Uh, in this message through the prophet Jeremiah as we finish him out this week. So let's just begin with uh, prayer and then, uh, yeah, grab your cup of coffee because, you know, we're going to be running all over the scriptures this morning, all right? So dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we praise you for, um, <laughs> because you're worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our adoration, Lord God. And I just ask right now that your actual angels on assignment, your ministering spirits would come and even surround this stage right now, Lord, as you minister your word um, to each and every one of us, that, that everyone who is listening right now, send your angels to surround them, Lord God, to literally block any plans and distractions of the enemy to rob them and to destroy the words and the freedom and the healing that you want to bring, uh, uh, the faith that you want to stir, the identity that you want to implant into the minds and the hearts of your kids, Lord, for this season, this prophetic time that we are so privileged to be living in right now. And so I ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so uh, Jeremiah is about 60 years after Isaiah died. Um, I heard it said this way about Jeremiah's call, that it was one of the hardest ministries given. He was literally called the weeping prophet because he had to oversee the death of a nation. Quote, it was like watching some, the, the nation in its final death throes um, as it was literally carried away, his people, God's own people, carried away and exiled into captivity and into Babylon. The people would not listen to Jeremiah. His ministry, in a sense, was destined to fail. It was literally, the Lord said, they will not listen to you, Jeremiah. Uh, the people would not change at his warnings, his whole life given to this, they would actually remain prideful. Uh, they would hold fast to their rebellion. They would not turn and repent and go towards the Lord. So then their course was set and their, their destiny was cast by their choice in turning away from the Lord. But here's the beautiful thing that also Jeremiah got to minister, and it's a word for us today. God was still faithful to his rebellious kids. He was faithful to them and he still is. Listen to this beautiful verse in Jeremiah 31. We read this, this last week in our reading, verse three. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loyal love. 
because of God's faithfulness, not, not the kids, but, but his faithfulness, our father, he continued his witness to them even when they were carried away into captivity, into Babylon, even when they didn't stop and repent. He had his prophet Daniel go with them. He had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go with them. He had his prophet Ezekiel, which we're going to get into this week, there in Babylon, giving witness even in captivity about the Lord, about his love for them, about turning, about repenting, about what his future plans were for them. You know, Nebuchadnezzar actually gave Jeremiah a choice of staying in Jerusalem. He, he, could, he could come to Babylon or he could stay in Jerusalem. He gave him a choice. If Jeremiah was actually accused of treason during his time of prophesying by his own people. Uh, because he told the people, he said, surrender to Babylon. The word of the Lord has come to me. I am letting you know because you did not turn, because you did not repent, you are going into captivity. And he, he would say, surrender to the Babylonians because this will come to pass. And he, he, let, he said, you, you need to surrender and uh, let them take you. And if you do this and you obey what I am telling you at the word of the Lord, you will live. But if you fight them, you will be devastated. Um, so, so he's actually, uh, you know, the prophet of God giving God's word at God's timing to God's people. And yet he was accused of treason. He was even imprisoned. They, they thought, you're with the Babylonians, Jeremiah, the things that keep coming out of your mouth. We don't want to hear these words. And they would have their false prophets that would prophesy that these things are not going to come to pass. And the exact opposite of what the real prophet of the Lord was saying. So even though Nebuchadnezzar, he said, I see him as a true prophet because his words come to pass. And so he honors him. He honors the prophet and he gives him this choice to come to Babylon. But Jeremiah, you know, a true nationalist, he stays in Jerusalem. Eventually, though, he's somewhat kidnapped by his own people there in Jerusalem and taken to Egypt. Um, and Jeremiah, he still wanted to stay, but the people were afraid. Uh, so they fled to Egypt, those that were left in uh, uh, you know, Jerusalem, and they made Jeremiah actually go with him. So now he's even kidnapped by his own people in a way um, after the vassal king that Nebuchadnezzar had set up was killed. They were afraid now Nebuchadnezzar's really going to come and destroy all of us left. So they forced Jeremiah to go with them to Egypt. But now that is the place in Jeremiah's story uh, where amazing things are, are come out about him. Uh, it's such as uh, in, in this time period, this is when, and this is a story that's out there, that Jeremiah, the prophet of the Lord, actually took the Ark of the Covenant and hid it in a secure location for someone to find it years and years later when it was the right time of the Lord and to bring it back out when it would be safe and the right time. Uh, and there are references to this actually happening in the Apocrypha, other writings that um, you know are outside of, of the Bible but could concur with different time periods and have historical stories that are going on. Stay tuned to uh, Maranatha TV uh, 
because my dad is actually going to be talking to someone um, who has decoded the copper scrolls that we believe Jeremiah was the one who wrote and actually describes where the Ark of the Covenant is. They know where the Ark of the Covenant is. So this is an interview that's going to be coming out. You do not want to miss that about the copper scrolls. But many, um, many around Jeremiah wanted to kill him. They wanted to take him down. In the 26th chapter, Jeremiah, he had finished speaking to everyone and they told him, you're a dead man for what you just said. Then you have in chapter 38, the princes told the king to kill Jeremiah, the prophet of the Lord who was speaking truth and the word of the Lord. His neighbors at Anatoth, we find in chapter 11, were seeking to kill him if he continued prophesying in the name of the Lord because they didn't like what he was saying, even though it was true. In chapter 20, his close friends denounce him. His own family, in chapter 12, you're thinking maybe his family will stick close to him and be with him. But it says in chapter 12, even the house of his father dealt treacherously with him. Now listen to these words and you're like, I thought you said this is going to be encouraging and we will get there. But, but hearing all of this, you know, following the Lord, look at Jesus Christ himself, who is truth. He is the way, he is the life. He literally was the perfect uh, representation of the Father. He is love. He, uh, you know, Jesus himself speaking words of truth. And what happened? The world turned on him and actually actually killed him because of the things that he spoke. Um, so, so here we have Jeremiah 20, verse 14 through 18. And these are Jeremiah's own words uh, that he shares uh, and comments about himself, the, the thoughts that he has about the day that he was born. He says, quote, "'Cursed be the day wherein I was born. "'Let not the day wherein my mother bare me be blessed.'" Cursed be the man who brought tidings to my father, saying, A man-child is born unto thee, making him very glad. And let that man be as the cities which the Lord overthrew, and repented not. And let him hear the cry in the morning, and the shouting at noontide, because he slew me not from the womb. Or that my mother might have been my grave, and her womb to be always great uh, with me. Wherefore, Come I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow that my days should be consumed with shame. And we're going to come back to that comment there and see what the Lord has to say about that. God's most significant challenges though, and hear me right now, this is a now word, are never actually with the heathen. But the most challenging times are going to come when you are speaking the truth to his own kids. It's in his own house that is the most challenging. Godly prophets were trying to get the people of God to mend their ways. You had some of the greatest prophets as, as we've looked at, and we're gonna continue to go through the prophets. We're almost done, we're not there yet. But we've had Isaiah, you've got Micah, Hosea, and all at this time, they're trying to have an impact on Israel. At this time, saying repent, turn, bringing the truth of God's word and what he would do in his faithfulness if they would return to him. Hosea declared God had a controversy with his own people. 
There was no truth. There was no mercy. There was no knowledge of God in the land. He said the land is full of murder, lying, adultery. Uh, the priests, oh, this is so sad, forgot God's laws, the very priests. And the people were being destroyed for lack of knowledge of Torah, even though these were the very people of God that, that he gave Torah to so that God might be made known and that, that they would go and be a light to the rest of the nations and share what God was like, who he is, and how to come close to him in relationship. Micah, a century in advance, warned Jerusalem that they would be plowed as a field and a heap of ruins. When Jeremiah was facing death, listen, by the priests and the prophets, many years later, for prophesying the same thing that, that basically Micah, uh, you know, had been prophesying about in warning many, many years before, says the elders of Israel actually quoted Micah and said, quote, he was spared for saying such things. Maybe we should spare Jeremiah. At that time, Isaiah declared his woes. He declares the warnings to God's kids who were calling evil good and good evil. It sounds exactly like the days that we are living in right now. Considering themselves wise, but it was only in their own eyes. They despised the word of the Lord. The Holy One of Israel, they cast aside his laws. But, but, back to Jeremiah and the words about the day that he was born. I want you to hear what the Lord says is the truth about Jeremiah. I want you to hear these healing words and even let them come and penetrate your heart and your mind because this is a word that is spoken over each and every one of us. But listen what God says is true about the day that Jeremiah was actually born. Jeremiah chapter one, verse four through five, it says, then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, this is Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before you came forth out of the womb, I set thee apart and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before there was a baby forming in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you, Jeremiah. I knew you by name. I set you apart. I called you. I ordained you. And the Lord is speaking the same thing to me and my heart and to you right now. Let this come and heal you in certain places in your heart and your mind right now. Before you were ever born, the Lord said, I had already set you apart. God has already set and established his purpose for you, for your life, for your destiny, even the very time that you would be born in all of history, that it was set for such a time as this, before you were even born. From the very beginning of time, God knew you. He saw you. He knows your name, just like Jeremiah we see in the scriptures. God knows you and has set you apart for his plans over your life before you were ever conceived, before you were ever born. God knows you. You and I, right now, what we're doing daily is discovering and we're coming into harmony. We're coming into alignment with that design, with that purpose that God has set over our lives. 
I love this verse here and, and the picture, the imagery as God teaches us through stories like any good father. He says that he is the potter and you and I, we are the clay vessels. Jeremiah 18, one through six tells us this. You know, and when you sit there and you watch the potter work, he knows what he desires to make of the clay. It is with great design. He knows the shape that he wants it to take. He, he knows how to form it. He is skilled. He has an idea and a vision already in mind. He is skilled and intelligent and will accomplish the task that he sets forth for that vessel, for that thing to take its shape and its design. And you and I were the clay. We're this mass, like a, a lump, a formless. But listen, we hold unlimited potential when we are being formed in the hands of the master potter. Beautiful, beautiful. Know that this is written about you and it's written about me. And then the wheel, it's the picture as he's standing there and he's, you know, the, this, this, the wheel is spinning as, as the hands of the potter are on that piece of clay. And as the the wheel spins at the push of the potter's foot, right there, very intentional. Uh, those are our circumstances in life that are helping to shape and to form us. God knew that you were supposed to be living in these unprecedented, and I say prophetic times, that you have been preordained for such a time as this. You need to be greatly encouraged. And again, I'm always wanting to stir your faith and come alive. Understand that this is all on great purpose. Um, as we yield to the potter and, and we trust him, we trust because real belief trusts, it trusts, then we start to take shape more and more into the thing that he always knew that we would be. He already sees you at the end. He sees you perfect and complete and finished. He already knows that that is who you are and what you've always been destined to be. <laughs> and, and now listen, quote, this is one of the scriptures, and the vessel was marred in the hands of the potter. So what does the potter do when, when the piece is marred? Does he discard it and throw it away? No, he actually takes that clay and then he starts to reshape and remold it once again in his hands. You and I are coming into harmony right now with that destiny. And then, so here's the question, how do we find that? How do we find God's will over my life? How, how do you know I have this question all the time? Jeremiah 29, 13, this is the key. He says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Did you hear that? When you search for me with all of your heart. For thus saith the Lord. So we're gonna go back into, we're gonna be bouncing back and forth. So just stay with me, Jeremiah 29, 10. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years are accomplished in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this land. Did you catch that? This is all about the one who is speaking and the word that he speaks over your life. 
He's speaking it over the children of Israel here. He says, perform my good word to you. I will perform it. If I have spoken it, I will accomplish what my word, as it goes out, I will make it come to pass. This is reminiscent of Jeremiah chapter one. God spoke to Jeremiah asking him what he was seeing. He shows him a picture as he calls him out. He says, I know you by name. Before you were even knit together in your mother's womb, I knew you, I set you apart, I ordained you, I know your name. And your, your coming into the world was, it has great intention and purpose and love and design and promise over it, Jeremiah. And then he shows this new prophet, he says, what do you see? And God shows him something. He says, I see a rod of an almond tree. And then the Lord confirmed and said, you're right, Jeremiah, good job. Just speak what I show you. And then God declared that he was watching over his word to perform it, meaning to make it come to pass, meaning that the words that the Lord speaks over your life, over my life, over Jeremiah's life, over Israel's life, over the world, he will make it come to pass. He is watching over his word to perform it. This is really cool. The Hebrew word for almond is spelled the same as the word for watching over. So God in the original Hebrew was using a play on words. I'm showing you an almond branch, but the way that it sounds, it's the exact same uh, as watching over. So God's using that there. God always keeps his word. He always performs his word. And this is the thing that you and I need to stand on in these days. When information is crisscrossing and changing uh, daily, you have to keep up with what the latest is. You have no idea what the next thing is going to come out of the media. We're, we're constantly you know, running after these things and trying to keep up with the headlines. And, and what the Lord says for his kids is, your sure foundation is not gonna come from the news outlets or from your governors or even from your government or even from your president. You need to know what my words are because those words are sure and true no matter what circumstances look like, no matter what you are facing, no matter what you think you see. I will perform my word. I will keep my word and I will keep my word that is written over your life, over your family, over your destiny. And some of you are sitting here thinking, but the Lord has forgotten me. I feel so lonely right now. I am so confused. I can feel the weight of this thing on me. And the Lord has forgotten. You say he's forgotten, but now back to Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end, uh, you know, a, a good end, a good end. They're peace over you. It's not for your evil. That is a word that you need to take and stand on that promise over your own life. Uh, in Jeremiah's day, um, you know, he, he says, look, if you follow your own thoughts, 
which the tendency for you and I right now is to want to react to what we see in the physical. But the Lord is training us. He is maturing the bride because he is coming again soon. And he's coming for a mature bride, one where there is no spot and there is no wrinkle. And so the Lord is maturing us. He's going, I want you to bring, bring you into these things that are, don't go after what you see in the physical. You have to start to listen and see with spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. He says, if you follow your own thoughts and you rebel against the king of Babylon, it will be a disaster. It will come to your end. And so in the physical, it is fight these people. But then the Lord had already spoken his word. If you don't fight them, then I will be with you and you will be okay and you'll be safe and I'll return you in 70 years. But if you, you obey these words, he says, and you follow my words, and the Lord is asking us to do that right now. Because look, I haven't forgotten about you. I know you by name. I knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. I have a purpose and a calling on your life. I have never been uh, you know, missing in action. I've had my hands around your life. I know the circumstances at which you spin and I am in charge and in control of all of it. And it's the hands of your father, the master potter who loves you that is doing these things right now. He says, I have not forgotten you and my thoughts are actually of your peace your peace, the shalom of God. The Lord speaks this to you and to me and to our hearts right now. And then Jeremiah 29.10, back into our story. For thus says Yahweh, as soon as the time has passed, 70 years, so he gives them, God is a date setter. It wasn't the day or the hour, but he gives dates. He says, you're gonna be you know, uh, in exile in another land for 400 years to Abraham, 70 years here, 40 years in the wilderness, all these things, 120 years for the generation with Noah. So there's dates that he does set. 70 years in Babylon, he says, I will attend to you after the 70 years is over and I will fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place, this promised land where I have called you to be. Remember, God always has the long view in mind. He wants you and I to start to be able to live, yes, in the present, but as well as go into the future that is a sure thing because the Lord is the one who is telling us what it looks like. Uh, we are choosing to live by it is written. He has proven himself to be true and faithful. So uh, Jeremiah 29, 12 says, then shall you call upon me and then shall you go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. Okay, now this is what's so amazing and fascinating. You can find uh, in, in Daniel, Daniel was actually reading the scroll that we're reading from right now of Jeremiah and the words of the word of the Lord that was given to the prophet Jeremiah of how long they would be in exile. And Daniel is searching the scrolls of the prophet Jeremiah um, as, as he is there in captivity in Babylon. You can look at Daniel chapter nine and it's when he understood being there in Babylonian captivity that he's reading the prophecy of Jeremiah and the 70 years of captivity were about to be up for Daniel as he was there in Babylon. And he starts putting the prophecies and the timing together. And Daniel believed the words of the Lord. 
So what does Daniel do next? Well, he followed what Jeremiah said. When you see the 70 years come to fruition, then what did the scriptures just tell us? He says, then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me. So Daniel began to fast and he began to pray because he saw and recognized and put the prophetic puzzle pieces together. They opened up for him. He obeyed the word of the Lord. Then shall you call upon me after the 70 years. Daniel read that, he saw the time, he trusted and he quickly obeyed at the word of the Lord. He says, and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. I will hear your prayers at this time. There were times when Jeremiah was told, don't pray for these people because I won't answer what you're saying. I mean, that's a scary thing to hear as a prophet from the Lord. This is already, the, 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 this is going to happen. They are going into exile. Uh, but here the Lord says at this time period, he goes, I will hearken unto you. I will listen to you. So Daniel follows the word of the Lord and quote, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall seek me with all of your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13, back to that verse. God was faithful to that word. And, and here it is, so much of the time we don't understand what's going on prophetically. We are confused and afraid and we allow that spirit of fear to come. We don't have faith stirred up in us. We are confused and we look a lot like the world and we're just hunkering and waiting for our ticket to heaven, you know, or, or the rapture to happen, which of course we're still waiting for that. But the Lord is going, I'm giving you action steps to take that are in boldness and, and where the sons of God are actually revealed, where the Lord Jesus Christ said that we would do even greater works than he did. And we're waiting for those moments. God goes, look, I'm gonna be faithful to my word, but I need you to come and seek me with your whole heart. I need you to obey the words that I give and to do it in faith. And when you do, I will answer you. I'll show you things that you couldn't possibly come up with on your own. I will even give you the future. I will let you know, I, I want to be this to you. But so much of the time we're apathetic, we're lazy. If it's God's will, then he will make it happen. And we push things to the side and other things come to the forefront. We're distracted, we're distraught, we're de desperate, we're none of the things that God wants his children to actually be walking in. God was faithful to that word and he will still be faithful and fulfill that in a future day of literally coming and ruling and reigning from Jerusalem, restoring all things. It says, uh, I love this verse, Jeremiah uh, 31, he will turn their mourning into joy and he will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. That day is coming for Israel and also for you and for me. Um, now, I wanna bring you into, uh, as we're kind of closing out here, um, to pay attention, um, kind of reset. Um, but do you know that uh, today uh, we have three days leading up to Pentecost. Pentecost is, is coming in three days. Um, without uh, knowing the things that I'm going to tell you, I wanna bring you a little bit into the backstory of the prophetic of what God's doing right now, what he's speaking. These are real, you know, now words and rhema things that are happening. Um, and I, I just, it's, it, it builds your faith. It gets you encouraged and stirs you up. 
Um, but without knowing this, uh, which I'm going to bring you into, led by the Holy Spirit, uh, a little group um, that is meeting on Pentecost that I'm meeting with, um, which again is this Friday, Pentecost is Friday, um, is following the ancient paths. Because when you are seeking the Lord with your whole heart, he will, you will be found by him. He will guide you. He will direct you. He'll put you into the flow and the harmony of, of his timetable and what he is doing. If you're open, you're teachable, you're humble, and you're searching with your whole heart. He says, I will answer you. You'll be found by me. So um, preparing, the, so three days, three days of separation fasting and praying up till Pentecost. And, and this is what this little group that I'm doing, we're meeting in Texas. Um, I think it's less than a hundred um, and it was already planned. And so, uh, you know, to, to meet with God on Pentecost as a group, just praying and seeking the Lord for revelation, for an outpouring of his spirit. Um, and so, so we're doing that. We're doing that right now. Uh, Oh, I want to see, sorry. Okay. So the amazing thing is that the Lord in Exodus actually told the people of God before God was going to come down and meet with the people. He was going to literally, God, come down on Mount Sinai and bring them the word, the law, the Torah, and how to come into to relationship with him. He's bringing it. They said, yes. And Moses tells the people of God, okay, because you have said yes to this, you need to prepare yourself. You need to separate yourself. You, they, they literally call it a, a day of distinction. And so three days leading up to that first Pentecost in Exodus, where God would come. He said, I want you to separate. I want you to get ready. I'm a holy God. And Moses goes, you guys need to prepare yourself. And so the children of Israel, actually three days leading up to Pentecost, were uh, getting themselves ready. They were consecrating themselves to meet with this holy God who would come on that first Pentecost and descend on the mountain there and manifest himself physically before the children of God. And here the Lord has this little group that I'm with without us knowing that information and putting it together, the three days leading up to Pentecost, we're fasting and we're praying and we're consecrating ourselves as it leads up to Pentecost. Now, I, I, I want to I bring you into what, you know, what I feel like the Lord is saying for all of us to be doing. Pentecost, significant, significant time. We need to not be apathetic. We need to know the calendar of the Lord. We need to know because there's a time to sow, then there's a time to reap, there's a time to plant, there's a time to harvest, there's a time to tear down, there's a time to build up. And we don't get to make those things up. We are learning as we come into alignment with the calendar of the Lord that he means what he says on the very days that he has prescribed things to take place. And when you are teachable and humble and you start to learn these things and come under that with him, you get to start to participate with him in what God is doing. So Pentecost, significant times. Uh, my dad on Friday night 
actually uh, came over, it was late, and we were talking about, um, with my husband, Sean, uh, the church reopening, which we are this Pentecost, this weekend, Pentecost weekend, amazing. Uh, so we're opening the church doors after this quarantine, after this, you know, uh, Sabbath, this forced Sabbath that the whole world has, has been on and, and that Passover where we were literally all huddled in our homes, just like the original Passover with, you know, danger outside, the blood of the lamb covering us. So the death angel passes over. I mean, it's amazing. So my dad is at my house on Friday night and we're talking about the church opening on, on uh, this weekend, Pentecost. And as my dad is talking to me, I'm staring at my coffee table and I, I have books all over my coffee table, like everywhere, all over my coffee table. And uh, I see this one book and it's highlighted to me. And this is how the Lord sometimes speaks. He'll highlight something, he'll point something out to you and make you really hyper-focused on something or it, it's, it appears kind of strange to you or something. It gets, catches your attention. And so I'm staring at this book the whole time he's talking. And it is Frank Bartleman, and it's about the Azusa Street Revival, the entire time that he's talking to me. Um, and I'm going, well, that's really strange. I, I don't know what that means. And, you know, you wait for the Lord to make something significant. You don't just make it up. The Holy Spirit will open things up. He will inform you if it was him. So the next morning, very next morning, that was late that night, next morning, Saturday morning, and I'm sitting there, and I got a little notice of a, a video of a man, um, Lou, who literally fills stadiums with people fasting and praying. And I'm watching, and he has this word. And guess what it's all about? It's about this Pentecost. And he starts going on and on about a dream that the Lord had given him about Frank Bartleman. The very book that the night before the Lord was highlighting and ingraining in my brain, for some reason, he put the pieces together. Frank Bartleman was the intercessor of the Azusa Street Revival in 1905. William Seymour, the African-American one-eyed pastor, called for 10 days of fasting before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that came to Azusa Street and a revival followed where the Lord literally manifest himself, uh, where they, you've got to read these stories if you don't know about the Azusa Street revival. Uh, it, the, literally, there was a time when they were meeting and it appeared that there were flames of fire on the top of the building where they were meeting. And, and so the firemen came to put out the fire. When they got into the building, there was no fire. It was literally a manifestation of the Holy Spirit fire that was over that place as God was pouring out his spirit and bringing this beautiful revival. And, and so what I want to bring you into and, and get you excited about is, you know, wait, are you asking us to fast for the next three days leading up to Pentecost? I would say that we need to center ourselves together, um, that, that we need to focus 
our prayers together um, leading up to this significant Pentecost. Uh, I, I want to be praying together. And, and today is the first day. This would be that day in Exodus when the people of God were supposed to have, um, you know, this day of distinction and then the three days leading up and be separated and getting themselves ready for the revelation that God was going to give to them that Pentecost, that first Pentecost. So, so for you and I to, you know, join with other believers around the world who are aligning themselves with the patterns and the ways and the calendar of the Lord and to, to not be um, apathetic and lazy um, and weak and anemic and distracted, but focus, focus and believe the word of the Lord to put your faith in this, to, to search for him with your whole heart, to cry out with other believers for this Pentecost, that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we have never seen before. A Pentecost, an outpouring for us, for our nation, for our world. This is the season that we are living in and we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. That's what the world needs. That is our answer not politics and, and, and anger and all the fear that is going on and the division that is being caused, even in the very house of God. Um, we, we can't do it without the move of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the love to start flowing through us to actually be filled with him in a fresh way. A voice from heaven that actually heals us first, and then we become healers and a conduit of that as we go out. We don't want to read about revival. I don't want to hear only about the Jesus people revival. I've looked and studied the Azusa Street revival, which I wasn't around for either of those. I want a revival in my day and in my time right now. So upper room prayer time. Think of then the next outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts where we see the disciples huddled together in the upper room, 120 of them waiting on the Lord, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit, the comforter to come. And, and, you know, and, and fearful and waiting and huddled, but obeying the word of God and crying out to him in one accord in unity. And this is what we need to do and pray for a new day of Pentecost for us today to cry out to God with me in centered, focused vision. We need fresh revelation. We need a new outpouring of your spirit, Lord. Fill me, teach me, change me, move. We need to look to the Lord. You are his child. He has known you and called you by name from before you were even knit together in your mother's womb. We saw that. He has consecrated and set you apart for such a time as this. No weapon formed against you will be able to prosper because if God is for you, who can be against you? Join him and know what he is doing. We don't have to grow up around in darkness and make it up. He is letting us know Pentecost is this Friday. He even prescribes for those who will hear the, the ancient words in Exodus, set yourself apart the days leading up to it. Start with me today, this Tuesday, in a few days leading up to it. Let's align ourselves with what God is doing and what God is saying now. 
you are a child of the most high God. You are a watchman. You have been chosen for such a time as this, like Jeremiah was chosen from his mother's womb. Lastly, the last little tidbit, so, um, you know, if this all isn't enough for you, uh, my dad and I learned um, from Bob Lyons, who's on the staff, um, that the Jewish people actually read Ezekiel chapter one on Pentecost. Uh, why? Why do they read Ezekiel chapter one? Because the same glory that came on Mount Sinai at the first Pentecost, when God came down and manifest himself there to the children of Israel, on that mountain, it is the same glory that the prophet Ezekiel saw described in Ezekiel chapter one. When my dad texted and wrote that to me, I responded very quickly because our portion of scripture that we are to read this week that will go over into Pentecost is Ezekiel chapter one. There is no way that I could line that up there is no way that it is supernatural. It is the Lord Jesus Christ by his spirit who is bringing us into the flow of what he is doing. You and I are already on the path that the Lord is moving in, reading the exact same chapter that the Jews around the world will be reading and that literally Ezekiel talking about the glory that he saw. It's the same glory that they saw on Mount Sinai the first time. And I would say it's the same glory as the tongues and the flame of fire. The Holy Spirit came and the church was birthed and 3,000 were saved that day as they went out in boldness proclaiming the gospel and bringing the truth of the word of God to that generation. And the Lord wants to do the same thing to you and I this week and this weekend for this Pentecost. Believe, step in. You get to choose what you wanna do with all this information. Because that's a lot of coincidence. It's really interesting. It, I'm, you know, okay. And then go and do your normal routine today. Or you can lean in. You can press into God. You can say, no, this is, this is doing something and stirring something inside of me. I want to be a part of that. I wanna hear God like that. I wanna see him move like that. I'm gonna believe that the same God that moved in these stories is the same God that lives today and he wants me to participate. That's why you're listening to this message right now. That's why you're in this Bible study. That's why you're already destined to read Ezekiel chapter one this week when Pentecost is happening and the Jews are already reading Ezekiel chapter one. In the name of Jesus, oh, Father God, we need you. The world needs you. I need you. We are desperate, Lord God, desperate. We humble ourselves right now before your mighty, mighty throne. And we cry out to you, Lord God, to, to stir us, to shake us, to, to bring us to a place where we hunger and we thirst for you that nothing else will satisfy. Bring us to the end of ourselves, kill the flesh. Let us be led by the Spirit, filled with your Holy Spirit. Help us to align with what you're doing and what you're saying, Lord God, in these times, in these days. 
Lord God, we want to be a part of what you're doing. We don't want to miss our appointment. We want to pass our test. We want to bring you glory. We, we want to bear fruit that remains, Lord God. You, you, you told us not to actually pray for the harvest, to pr but to pray for the harvesters, that, that the harvest was ready, but there weren't enough harvesters to bring it in. And this is going to be the greatest harvest that the world has ever seen in these days, Lord God, these last days before you come again. And so, Father God, help us to not harden our hearts, but to open them wide to you, to cry out, to, to say, I want to seek you with all of my heart, and then to believe that then you will hearken unto what we cry out to you. You will show yourself strong on our behalf. You will fill us with fresh revelation and fresh vision for this next season because we won't make it without that. This is what we live on, Lord God. Your word, your strength, uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is what we need. Mature us, Lord God, into what you actually purchased on the cross um, so that when you come back, Lord God, we are without spot and we are without wrinkle and we are uh, in unity and we are ministering love and the kingdom in these last days for a world that is so desperate um, for the good news of the gospel. And we ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.